And we welcome you to, what day is it? The Friday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. I'm very excited that we have a crowded studio today. Everybody safely masked uh, to have a conversation about an amazing trip that was undertaken by 18 Carthage students, two alumni, and two faculty who went to the beautiful and fascinating nation of Peru during Carthage's J term. So we have with us in the studios, first of all, uh, Jeffrey Roberg, who is professor of political science, and uh, Maribel Morales, who is associate professor of modern languages, as well as associate provost for assessment and accreditation at Carthage. And they were the two brave faculty souls who uh, guided uh, 18 Carthage students, including three who are in our studios early this morning, to talk about their experience. We have with us Letitia Sires, who is a senior a triple major neuroscience, biology, Spanish. Uh, we have Abigail Church, who is a junior political science major, and Serena Richardson, a sophomore, who is a Spanish and sociology major. And uh, it was uh, a long and rich and deep and deeply enjoyable experience for uh, everybody, from what I can tell. And I'm so glad that we have. Uh, uh, these five people in the studios of WGTD to talk about this uh, wonderful trip to Peru. So, a warm welcome to all five of you to the morning show. Thank you Thank for you. having Thank us. Thank you. Good to have you here. Good to have you here. It sounds like everybody's mics are working too, so that's that's wonderful. Professor Roberg, we've had lots of conversations, and I uh, was telling you before the we began uh, something to the effect that, well, I, this sounds like a little diversion from your normal whatever, because most of our conversations have been about politics here in the good old USA, and you reminded me that, it, that in fact, there is this other part of you that's even the greater part of you, uh, which involves uh, Latin America and, uh, and, and a lot of different issues that you touched on in this trip. Just explain to our listeners a little bit about that facet of your own background and some of the things that you've done. Sure. So, so my real life has uh, related to uh, international relations, and uh, some of your listeners will remember there was this country called the Soviet Union, and uh, once upon a time I was trained as a Sovietologist and uh, actually lived and worked in uh, the Soviet Union and then Russia as successors. And, and then uh, for, for myself, um, the work I was doing there had to do with uh, human rights aspects. Mm. Uh, and uh, also uh, nuclear proliferation, and uh, so that got me into environmental aspects, and then that moved uh, from uh, Russia after the fall to uh, Latin America, uh, through through Cuba and on down uh, further in Latin America. So I've been doing work related to human rights, uh, environmental rights, and uh, particularly about uh, the effects of tourism on different locations for well, the, the first two for a long time, uh, and uh, the, the last one for about 20 years now. Very good. So this, this particular tour folds beautifully into a lot of the work that you have been doing. I should think that you, like so many uh, faculty and students for that matter, had to be just incredibly frustrated by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, which pretty much wiped out any of this kind of work uh, for quite a long period of time. I'm sure you've been impatiently waiting for the chance to do it again. My, my, the last time I exercised my passport would have been, uh, uh, well, first of all, it would have been in January of 2020, just before the, the pandemic mm. officially shut things down. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, last summer, I was in uh, France for a little while. 
and so this was nice to get back to Latin America and, and to actually start doing some, some real work again. Very good. Your faculty partner in this uh, adventure, uh, uh, Maribel Morales, Associate Professor of, of Modern Languages. I suspect you have done this kind of thing somewhat, although you were saying before we went on the air that you were actually kind of piggybacking on this trip that Professor Roberg had already created. Yes, because my, my other research interest, or main passion too, is women and gender studies. So talking about tourism and the effect on the environment, which is mainly uh, his, his, his point of view, we realized that there were many women involved in tourism and the, the effect of, that this has on gender relationships and gender inequalities and the whole feminism just really uh, drove me to do more research and dive more deeply into, well, how uh, in the field, how do we really, uh, when women are involved in tourism and are able to earn their uh, own income and have this economic independence, in a very patriarchal society when you know, the women and the men are really in following gender stereotypes of women at home and the men are the breadwinners, how is this going to impact their relationships once the women is, has more of that independence? So it was fascinating to me to be able to bring students to see women involved in weaving uh, associations, seeing them uh, be more empowered by, mm. by how this, uh, this shift of uh, reversal of gender roles affects them. So it drove me to do like, say, more research and, and to, to uh, find locations and places where we would be in touch with, with this uh, situation so the students can see for themselves how women are involved in tourism and, and the impacts it has. On the other hand, of course, with Spanish and, and the culture, I do a lot in class with Peruvian history and cultures, and, and so it was just perfectly uh, all came together um, mm. really well. So, uh, Professor Roberg, uh, explain why Peru. I mean, of all the different places you could go in South America, not that there's anything wrong with Peru, but I suspect there are things about Peru uh, its history as well as its present day and all that it offers that made it an especially attractive place to go and uh, and as well maybe a safer place to go than some of, some of its neighbors, for instance. So with study tours at Carthage, these are always planned out about a, a year and a half in advance. Uh, so, you know, there are certain aspects that we don't know at the, uh, until we, we get there as such. But uh, the, the study tour we've done now, uh, well, Professor Morales and I have done it three times together. I've done it uh, one other time as well, and then have been there a couple of times beyond that. As far as why Peru, uh, I guess the answer really is why not. Uh, <laughs> as, as you know, I've, I've done uh, study tours to, to Cuba, to Argentina, and, and, and elsewhere. Uh, but uh, with Peru, it's, it's interesting because it offers a little bit of everything and, mm. and uh, in terms of it's got a, a rich political history. Uh, some of it, unfortunately, is, is very negative. Mm. Uh, and uh, if we're talking about uh, some of the, the conflicts that uh, for 20 years that took place with the Shining Path, for instance. So we can, we can talk about the, you know, the, 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 the far back history in terms of Inca and other cultures uh, that uh, existed prior. Uh, we can talk about current, uh, meaning the last 30, 40 years. Uh, we've got economic issues in terms of uh, whether it be uh, successes and poverty, and uh, and we've got um, human rights issues. We've got it, it. It offers the full gamut, if you will, uh, but uh, at the same time, 
uh, it offers uh, an interesting opportunity for some service work as well. So I know we'll get into that a little bit later and talking about you know our, our visit with Peruvian Hearts and and uh, some of the the local communities that we we visited as well. I'm curious to hear from our students what drew you to. Um, want to be a part of this trip, uh, what you found especially intriguing or compelling about the possibility. Let's, let's start with our senior, Letitia Sires. Yeah, so I'm a Spanish major, so I was really excited to practice my Spanish more. And then I really like um, enveloping myself in the environment, and so this gave me a really good opportunity to do that. And it was interesting to see how the environment has been impacted by tourism and the other industries that are so important to Peru. Very good. How about you? Uh, let's see. Our junior is Abigail Church. Uh, yeah, so I'm a political science major, so it's in my wheelhouse. And although I don't major or minor in Spanish, I took Spanish pretty heavily throughout high school, and I wanted to kind of get back into it and really be immersed and try to improve that. Um, and honestly, J-term trips were part of the reason I came to Carthage, so mm. I was looking forward to this. Very good. Yes, that's something we're proud of, that, that rich legacy. How about you, our sophomore, Serena Richardson? Well, I love to travel. My family's definitely a traveling family, and last semester, um, I was in an intro to women gender study class with Morales and Abby, and they mentioned, hey, we're going to Peru in January. Anyone want to join? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I want to do that. And I looked more into it, and I'm minoring in women and gender studies, so that was right up my alley. And I'm also a Spanish major, so again, I thought that was an amazing opportunity to practice. And when hearing how much we would be immersed into the local culture, I was just ecstatic. Wonderful. Did any of you have any trepidation about taking a trip abroad during this pandemic? Uh, or was that not uh, any source of particular concern for any of you? I don't think it was an issue. We're really good about staying safe. And I know weeks beforehand, we're like, okay, yeah, if you can, get the booster. And we learned all about, okay, the masking policy and how it will work if anyone did get sick. So we took so many precautions. And when we were abroad in Peru, I don't know about you guys, but I noticed everyone was so safe. I um, I don't think I saw one person who wore their mask incorrectly. And in general, they really took the vaccines um, seriously and just being safe and always hand sanitizer and showing your vaccine card. So I didn't have wow. any worries. So you were maybe safer in Peru yeah. than you were <laughs> Honestly. Uh, uh, can you spell out, uh, Professor Roberg, a little bit, bit more of the specifics of concerns about COVID and, and maybe a little bit even about whether or not this trip would be permitted to go forward. I mean, were there certain criteria that had to be met, or were you watching certain numbers in order to to know that this would, in fact, be a trip that could be taken safely? So uh, Professor Morales and I were regularly in contact with our our local uh, people in in Peru. Uh, The CDC numbers, of course, were something that we kept a a constant uh, look at, as as well as the school, by the way, did. Uh, So uh, there were a number of... uh, of study tours at Carthage that were canceled uh, ahead of time, one of them being canceled uh, about a week and a half before it was supposed to, oh. to leave. Uh, and so we certainly were keeping an eye on the numbers. Uh, what was said about the, the masking in, in Peru is certainly accurate in terms of, and, and part of the reason is, is Peru was hit really, really hard on a per capita basis. It had more deaths than, than we did. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. And so... They, when they finally got their act together, uh, 
they took their policies seriously. So uh, everyone had to have a N95 or KN95 or be double masked. Uh, you had to uh, show your vaccination card in many places, not all, but many places. We did a lot of hiking on this trip as, as well, including, of course, Machu Picchu. Uh, and masks were required even hiking within Machu Picchu outside. So as opposed to the States, when you're walking down the street in the city or whatnot, everybody is masked, uh, and, uh, or nearly everybody is masked. Mm. And uh, uh, so in terms of, of expectations, we knew what to expect. We tried to prepare the students as, as well as possible. Uh, fortunately, they were, they were all game for, for staying on the, the game plan and keeping us all safe. And, and uh, frankly, we wanted to make sure that we visited some rural communities and we did not want to be the ones that were bringing COVID or something else to them. Uh, that just would have made us feel absolutely horrible. Uh, and uh, so that's kind of where we, where we were on, on that. And then we, we had some contingency plans for if someone were to develop COVID on the trip, what would, what would happen and, you know, and could we keep going, et cetera. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking today on the morning show with uh, two faculty colleagues from Carthage, uh, Jeffrey Roberg, professor of political science, and Maribel Morales, associate professor of modern languages. They led a contingent of 18 students and two alumni to the beautiful uh, nation of Peru. And three of those students are with us uh, today, Letitia Sires, uh, Abigail Church, and Serena Richardson. I look over your resume, uh, your resume, your itinerary, I should say, and I just get exhausted reading it. Uh, it seems like it was really ambitious and absolutely wonderful. I mean, every single day packed with, with something wonderful to do or some interesting place to see. Um, just talk for a moment about kind of the construction of the itinerary and what was most important to you? What were your highest priorities in terms of what the students would experience and see? So we, we worked with uh, someone in, in, in Cusco who's a travel agent who had been our guide th two years ago, three years ago, and he was just a wonderful uh, person in, in how he explained things and engaged the students. And when we learned that he would he actually puts together study tours and, and brings students uh, to, uh, from the U.S. and has had experience doing this. We automatically wanted to, to, to go with him. His name is Odon Medina. And he, he, we talked to him about what we were looking for and was able to pick uh, sites and locations with historical importance, Machu Picchu, uh, in Ayantaytambo, and many places with uh, where we could see the the actual effect of tourism in highly visited areas and the impact of conserving versus bringing the tourists. Right? So we we had a lot of those sprinkled throughout our experience. We wanted to see communities and see how they live and give students the experience of how other cultures uh, keep very traditional. Uh, lives from the pre-Incas and, and they still live in very remote areas like the Wheelock community in, in the mountains in Cusco. And we wanted to spend an entire day with them and do very meaningful, authentic activities with them that mm -hmm. didn't feel like anything forced or fake, mm -hmm. but just having them. And they welcomed us uh, to their community. They, uh, we, we shared some sweet bread and hot chocolate 
with uh, with the children and and we we learned how they weave and students were weaving with them huh? so really getting that hands-on experience uh, we had a patacancha lunch which is this lunch that it's cooked underneath hot rocks in the ground and then we all had to the pleasure of, of tasting that delicious food that they eat um, in special occasions mostly so they, they did do this for us and they they we learned how they break the earth and how they they work with their hands to to grow potatoes and so students were there sweating and working and just really <laughs> experiencing how how they live at the same time we were also able to experience the the, the clothing they shared with us women wear these beautiful colorful skirts and these hats and and how they carry babies um, on this shawl and, and 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 it was just great to see how they were very proud of their culture and very very excited to share that with us and for us to be able to like live in their own clothes even having putting having somebody put on a skirt and and see how that feels mm -hmm. and and really feel like if I if I were living here this is what I would wear as a woman and then the men wearing their ponchos and what the hats mean and, and the differences uh, about you know teaching you how and then also telling us how they uh, how they meet uh, their significant others and how they come together as a community, what's important to them. So we, that day was just very memorable. And we ended up uh, playing soccer with the children and, and having just, even though they speak Quechua and we, some of them spoke Spanish and the language wasn't, you know, we really, it was a barrier in many occasions. The, the, the human bond that we created with them and the students can maybe give a little bit more of their own insights on, on that particular day when, when we really got to learn how the Wheelock community uh, lives it was, was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk to you about Peruvian hearts, but we can do that in, a, yeah. mm -hmm. in another question because that was another. So, yeah, trying to get students to, f to see life in Peru in the authentic way and, and really take that away, uh, knowing how privileged we are in many, in many ways and how others live with, uh, with less than us and, mm -hmm. and on all of that. So there's so many layers to this uh, study tours that goes from the empathy and from seeing and from learning and cultural appreciation, historical, and then seeing how other countries uh, live. So. Mm. Mm -hmm. Very good. I would love to hear a little more about this Willak community. So if I understand correctly, the, the people who live in this community are actual descendants of the ancient Incas and, and, and yes. one of the few communities like that. Yes, and they, they remain living in, in this remote place, and they hardly ever go down to Cusco. Um, it's a long, long walk for them, and, and they do retain their, their, their traditions. Wow. Yeah, let's turn to the students and see what, uh, what were some of your most memorable experiences uh, in that time that you spent in the Willock community. I thought it was really meaningful because everything that they took from the land, they felt like they had to give something back. So they actually shared with us a ritual of like um, for like I don't know a special ceremony, and they buried like a special drink in the and a few offerings to the Pachimama or the Mother Earth, and it was just really cool to how like they understood that they have to give back to the land rather mm -hmm. than just take from it, which I think can be lost sometimes. Sure, absolutely. Um, Honestly, it was just great to see how excited they were, and they matched our energy, and they were just excited to share their culture, and um, it's something that I don't think you could get on any other tour. Mm -hmm. 
I agree mm-hmm. with Abby. They were so welcoming and hospitable. I mean, we're coming in as foreigners. We had no idea what to expect. And they were just singing songs, and they had flutes and drums and conch horns, and everything was new to us. So at first we were so nervous, but because they were so welcoming and reaching out their hands and in inviting us in to their culture, it made us feel more comfortable and that we could experience it with them mm. together. Sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. When when you visit a place like that, do you do it with any trepidation in terms of being outsiders who are coming into a community that is in some ways untouched, unchanged? Uh, I mean, kind of the what 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 you have talked about so often about the effect of tourism. I mean, uh, how did you handle that? Well, we we come uh, in a humble way to to learn from them. No, we. Mm. I mean, I'm sure that perhaps what they see from us might show them another way of living or in a, other things. But we we come with respect and and with an open mind and and just wanted to learn how they live. Uh, so, of course, well, the things that we we teach or show. Uh, for example, I remember being in uh, in Taquile. Uh, a few years ago in the middle of Lake Titicaca and our host family was greeting us. And and so this is Professor Roberg and then this is Professora Morales and he's like, Professora? Like, yes, uh, as a woman, I, mm. I'm i equal, right? I, I can be a Professora. <laughs> so, um, you know, the little little ways that we show perhaps more gender equality that may that they may not have in their community, where men are the leaders of the communities, and uh, just showing that women can also be leaders. Um, I don't know; those little details, I think, are perhaps what we might leave. But it doesn't. It definitely impacts the way I perceive, and I learn how they are different from us in a way, or how much how much we have uh, advanced in our gender equality, and how much they have to perhaps still have to go, but. I don't know, just showing another reality in a, in a way. That's at least for me. Right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're kind of talking about an interesting balancing act because on the, on the one hand, you're coming in and saying, we, we respect the way you live and, and, and all that it represents. And yet, in, in a sense, there is this aspect of it that is hard for us to accept, and namely the way in which women are treated. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, we, we did encounter in, uh, in the community in Amantani, um, women were showing us their weavings, and the head of the household, a man, uh, Amadeus, he, he was sp- speaking for them. Mm. And, and so it, we, we, felt, we saw that, um, you know, saying, well, yeah, we, the women are, we listen to the women, the women have, have a voice mm. in the community. But we didn't see it, right? It, mm. At the moment, the women were silent. So um, we stopped addressing questions to the man and said, we want to hear from the women. Mm. So they're, you're doing these beautiful weavings. Can you tell me about your weavings? Uh, and so we, we really <laughs> we had to insist a little bit to get the women to actually use their voice. And they were shy about it. Uh, of course, um, we can understand that, that part. But it's, uh, it's interesting to see sometimes the, the, the gender uh, roles and, and how they play out. Right. So. I know that at least on a few occasions, uh, the students were staying with host families versus hotels. Uh, because I remember in the itinerary at some place, it says 
buy food for host families. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us about the host family experience. We'll so we only did that uh, really once this, this huh? trip. Uh, previous trips we've done it a, a couple other times as well. Uh, and this was an interesting situation. So this was on the island of, of Amantani uh, and um, uh, in uh, uh, Lake Titicaca. And the uh, family had, prior to COVID, uh, kind of built onto their home, and so it was it was it was a hotel without being a hotel. Oh. Uh, so they had built you know different aspects there because they were hoping to you know bring in more tourists, and and COVID just really put the clamps on on a lot of things, and and we can talk more about this as well in terms of you asked about our our impact. The, the positive impact, I would say, is a number of these communities had not really seen groups of tourists that can bring in, of course, cash to their their localities. So in, in Weok, for instance, we were certainly there, and, and we paid for the privilege, of course, to, to come up to the, 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 the village, but also uh, with all the weavers and whatnot, then we tried to leave you know, a certain amount of money behind mm -hmm. uh, as well because they hadn't seen any other you know, tourist groups, uh, and, and even in a, a non-COVID year, they wouldn't have seen many, right. uh, but we could have an impact. So the, the one place we did stay as a quote-unquote homestay was in, in uh, uh, around uh, Amantani, uh, but again, we were really the first group to go there, uh, first large group to go there uh, for this family, so again, another impact. Uh, but the students can talk more about the, uh, uh, what, what a, the, "Quote unquote home statement to them, I think. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for me, the homestay was just a way to again, like, get into like what it looks like to live in Peru, like a day-to-day -day basis. And so, like, part of the homestay, we went to, we like helped them not plow their field, but they were they had already planted some potatoes, and we were helping them um, maintain those p potatoes and. Mm just learning how they farm and how it's different in the mountains and at a higher altitude it was just very interesting to see just like the thought process of we plant these potatoes for this reason and um it was just very very beautiful to learn that mm, very good yeah we also went fishing the next morning <laughs> yeah. which was particularly fun i know serena and i were in the same boat and the guy was super excited because we asked him if he could help row and so he like started talking to us and really showing us his culture and, like, we had to, like, pull up the nets, and so we had to detangle, like, the fish from the nets, <laughs> which was kind of fun, and mm -hmm. we were actually really successful. I think yes, we were. 13? 13 fish? Yeah, I think yeah. 13 fish. I'd say, for me, throughout the trip, sometimes I had, like, an internal conflict of being a tourist, but still being immersed in someone else's culture as an outsider still. And I know sometimes when we stayed in hotels, therefore, and we went and did things throughout the day and came back, it was an interesting relationship to how you're valuing what you're seeing, but still being mindful of your position in mm. that country. But when we were then in a homestay, I felt more connected to the people around me, especially the people who were hosting us. Like, we're all humans, and they're sharing something really important to them with me, and it made me feel much more comfortable to learn from them um, and less of a tourist in that mm. scenario, if that makes any sense. I love that. <laughs> Very perceptive. Um, obviously, a lot of your time was spent visiting ancient ruins, uh, particularly Machu Picchu and uh, and other ancient sites. Uh, 
what were some of the high points of that? I know my high point. I climbed Wainapichu, oh, which yeah. was, it was like a thousand feet elevation in under a mile. So basically all stairs. Some of the stairs we actually had to crawl up. Mm. And so I just felt personally very proud of myself mm-hmm. for making it up to the top because it was definitely a lot of hard work. And then it was cool from that view, too. We could see Machu Picchu on, like, the other side. And so you could kind of see the impact um, of, like, the tourism on the land. Like, I specifically remember the trail of the road, like, the buses had to take um, to get up to Machu Picchu. It left, like, an indent in the mountainside, which was, like, really kind of crazy to think of. For for your listeners, Huayna Picchu is the mountain that they would normally see. When, when folks talk about Machu Picchu and you get that mountain in the background, that's the one that, mm. that Letitia was climbing, as well mm. as some other students. I think one of the most exhausting things I did, but one of the things I'm most proud of, is climbing Rainbow Mountain. Mm. That was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I believe, 16,000 feet at the top about. And you would walk for maybe 10 seconds and just energy is drained. I'd be out of breath, panting, dizzy, sometimes nauseous. And so the two hour trek up was so, I wanted to quit so many times. But when you finally made it to the top, it was amazing. It was a beautiful view. And the minerals that you see in Rainbow Mountain, um, you actually couldn't see that a couple years ago. The snow melted due to like climate change and global warming. But it was it was truly an amazing spectacle. Hmm. Now, I want to read from the itinerary because it says here for about this, this was on day 10, January 20th. We'll have a three-hour ride by bus to the mountain located at about 15,000 feet, then an hour and a half easy and level hike to the top, 16,000 <laughs> That is feet. false advertising. <laughs> <laughs> that was not easy. And, and the final height was 16,522 feet was uh, the, the, the top of the top that some mm-hmm. of the folks went to. Wow. No. With an optional horse ride up to the hill. The, the horse ride sounds like a good idea. We right. were tempted. <laughs> Abigail? Um, so we did see a lot of like very richly historical and cultural archaeological sites. And so jokingly, we told Roberg that it the class should be named Rocks, Corruption, and Rocks. <laughs> he was not very happy with that, though. <laughs> um, but no, these rocks were actually very, very interesting, just understanding that like in order to get these rocks up these exceptionally high mountains, you had to do this by hand. It was like um, an entire process that we're still not quite sure about how they did. Um, one of the rocks that we saw was about 180 tons, mm. and they got it up into like these beautifully carved pieces. It was like a very... Um, intricate puzzles. So just seeing the workmanship and the craftsmanship of those archaeological sites and the fact that they stood the test of time was just very surreal. Wow, incredible. Uh, Professor Rober, could you just, um, in a nutshell, I'm afraid, but I remember us having a really interesting conversation that that delved thoroughly into this whole notion of the impact of tourism on a place like Peru. In a nutshell, what are the impacts that we need to be concerned about and that you tried to underscore in this trip, for instance? So, so we can look at this in a variety of ways, but the, the, the bottom line is uh, for those of us who want to be tourists and, and visit other locales, uh, we have an impact. And the impact is not just on individuals, for instance. So uh, we like to shop as tourists, and so we may change cultures just by virtue of, of our shopping and uh, as we talked about in class and while on the on the trip itself, 
you know, so if uh, tourists buy things that you know, are the color blue, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, and if blue is not a traditional color of the, the locals, right, that's going to change mm. tapestries and, and textiles and, and a variety of other aspects. Uh, so that's on, on one level. Another level is when we're talking about tourism to a place like Machu Picchu prior to COVID, they were receiving, a, give or take, uh, 1.4 million people a year. Uh, that For that, you need hotels, you need food, you need people to be hired. Uh, and uh, so that can have a vast impact, both positive and negative, uh, on uh, local areas. So in the case of Machu Picchu, there's a, a town, a city, called Aguas Calientes, which exists below the, the site. And that's where you have to stay. Uh, mm. And this city only exists for tourism. Mm. There, there's uh, prior to you know uh, 50 years ago or so, it, it, there was nothing really there. Mm. And so it's grown only for the, the, the success of, of tourism. But what that means is given the location, there's only so many hotels you can fit into this area. There's only so many you know, houses you can fit in that area. What does that mean for locals in terms of their local prices as well? Mm -hmm. So if prices are going up for because tourists are quote unquote rich that they can afford to pay more, what does that mean for locals in terms of buying food, mm -hmm. uh, buying their necessities? And so we have this knockoff effect uh, that, that really impacts locals as well. And so there's, there's a variety of different aspects. And of course, we can talk about water systems and sanitation systems. And you know, if, if more tourists come, you, you need all of that. Right. Uh, so yes, there's a positive effect to tourism in terms of providing money to local communities uh, in one form or another. But there are potentially uh, a number of negative tourist uh, uh, issues that if you don't plan well, uh, then you're going to be in a world of hurt. Mm, you're, you're contributing to that hurt. Yes. I know that it was deeply meaningful for you to pay a visit to Peruvian Hearts. Professor mm -hmm. Morales, uh, tell our listeners about this, and then we'll hear from the students in terms of what they most vividly remember about this encounter. So Peruvian Hearts uh, is a nonprofit organization in, in Cusco, uh, although it's, it, the main office is in, in uh, Colorado here in the U.S., mm. Um, this is this provides uh, education and support to women, young women in rural areas, uh, rural poor areas, to be able to go to college and get the degree. And it's not only um, they support not only academically, but they get uh, some financial support, um, academic advisors, uh, psychologists. They get as much support as they can. It's already hard enough for women to get an education. In these very rural, poor areas, uh, only about 3% of mm. women can actually have a chance at earning a degree in, in college. So they, they have about 30 uh, young women with lots of ambition and passion for, uh, their, for their future, for a better future. So they want to be lawyers, they want to be doctors, engineers. And, and they're just like our students with uh, the same age, with the same dreams and, and hopes. So it was very special for us to, to have them come together to share their life experiences. We visited uh, three homes from, from three of the young women who are part of this. And we were able to see how different those homes are from our homes. Mm. And, and, and so when they have to study under a light bulb in the middle of 
of a room that is not even close up and the, the wall on the side is a mud wall and, and it, it's it just uh, when, when it's dark out, you can't study anymore. That's mm -hmm. the end of, uh, of your day and, mm -hmm. and with rain and we know it's how rainy it is. It's an appreciation. I think for them it was very important to see how with all the obstacles they have, they persevere and they're so excited about learning and studying. And they, they, are, we have, they have graduated, uh, I believe about five women, young women, and some of them are working on their final thesis and they're about to graduate. So it was very exciting to, to see you know, how women can lift each other up, students can, can, can support and be that support to them. Um, we brought donations from, from here. We brought school supplies and they also need technology. So uh, we brought some t-shirts, pens, and, and wanted to bring as much as we could in our luggages mm. uh, to, to bring back to them. And then we created these really great bonds between the, the girls. So they welcome us. We have played a, a soccer game with them just to start off with uh, mm. <laughs> some competition. <laughs> and ended up the day having dinner and listening to their stories. So um, uh, it, it was just a wonderful uh, experience. I am the mentor of one of the young girls. When I met this organization um, two years ago, I just fell in love with them. And I just wanted to continue to provide support, even if it's a mentorship that means uh, just encouraging and continuing, knowing that somebody has your back, that mm. I'm here for you. And how's your thesis going? How are you doing? You can do this, mm. right? Because there are so many signs telling you that you cannot. Right, society, women, you know, women working, women advancing. Like I said, it's still very much a patriarchal society. So women have a lot of obstacles, and they have to work really hard to get as far as other men, as, as far as, as men do. Hmm. So it was just very exciting, and and I'm I'm sure they they have friends so maybe mm -hmm. for <laughs> for a long time, and and to be able to throughout uh, social media to stay in touch with these girls. I think it's very meaningful, and, mm. and we'll we'll think about some student organization or ways to do more fundraiser for fundraising for them, to be able to continue to help them because we know that just uh, you know donating uh, financially a uh, hundred dollars can make a difference. It can mean that a, a young girl gets a mattress mm. to sleep on, to get a good night's sleep because we know you take for granted how comfortable our beds are, and mm. that's not always the case for some people. So just those really small things can make a huge difference. So we'll work on sending them donations to, to help them have a better life and mm. a better chance of, those, of achieving their dreams. Very good. So uh, do any of the students have anything they want to add uh, about this encounter with Peruvian hearts and these, these uh, young women seeking higher education in Peru? Uh, so this is probably one of the highlights of the trip for me. Um, so the founder of Peruvian Hearts was actually born in Peru and then adopted by uh, a couple in the United States. Mm. And so I myself was uh, adopted from China. And so her giving back to her community in a way that is meaningful was very beautiful to see just because that's a very similar situation for myself. And on top of that, um, like Serena said earlier, uh, we were in a women and gender studies class with Morales before we went to Peru. And... Um, we just talked a lot about how educating women and empowering women really does benefit an entire community, a family, and we saw that very like tangibly how these women going to college affected their family systems. So it encouraged older siblings to then go back to college or mm. it allowed families life like family livelihood to improve. Um, 
So I'm still in contact with one of the girls there. Um, her name's Monica. And it's just amazing to be able to still talk to her on a very real level. And honestly, I got to test out my Spanish, and I would like to say I did pretty well. <laughs> um, but no, it was just one of the most um, heartwarming experiences that I had in Peru. It sounds like it. Yes. Anything you want to add? Yes. Um, everything Morales and Abby said, I totally agree. Um, education is so important, and one thing I found truly inspiring is how much I realize stories connect people, especially in the evening when we all sat together for dinner and we went around their table and asked, what are your dreams, what are your aspirations, and who inspired you to follow them? And hearing their personal stories from their lives meant just so much to me, especially because they were opening up to someone who was virtually a stranger at the time. Mm. But I feel so much closer to them now. And hearing how with one girl, um, her mom works on the cleaning staff in a courthouse and would overhear in the room um, cases going on and she would come home and tell her kid about it and that inspired her now to want to be a lawyer and defend other wow. people. And it was just amazing how these small stories impacted these girls in such a big way and how education is truly the key to helping them achieve them. Very good. Yeah, I totally agree. I think hearing their stories at dinner was definitely most meaningful part to me. One of the girls I talked to, she was telling me about how COVID had personally affected her, and it really put things in perspective. I know everyone's been affected, but just personally how hard it was on them. She was talking about how she hasn't been able to work in two years now, and she's really struggling to actually get food, and so um, like taking leftovers from the restaurant in this case that we were at and things like that, and it was just like she was so strong and like didn't even like kind of just blowed it off, but I was like, wow, that's quite impressive. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine having to do that for the last two years. Wow. Amazing. Uh, as our time uh, slips away from us, I want to circle back to the students and have each of you uh, give you a chance uh, in no more than a minute to uh, <laughs> highlight one other special moment from the trip that you really enjoyed that we haven't touched on yet. Because we haven't talked about salt mines or pottery oh, yeah. or shearing sheep or whatever. So, uh, but anyway, with each, each so of you get uh, about 45 seconds or so to just tell about one more highlight from the trip. My mind is overblown right now. Wait. <laughs> I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is we got to go to an alpaca farm. And we got a, uh, alpaca and llamas. There is a difference that I still don't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> They're very hard for me to decipher. But we got to, um, like, feed them and pet them, and that was a really great experience. It wasn't necessarily culturally, like, immersive or like, it wasn't a learning experience in any way. It was just fun. <laughs> just fun. I think fun is okay. Fun is okay. I guess one thing I think of immediately is at the end of every very personal interaction with groups, whether it be at Willock, Amantani, Peruvian Hearts, or other families, at the end they always exclaimed how we were now part of their family. Aww. And that any like they have, we have family now in Peru. Hmm. And I wanted to cry every single time they said <laughs> that, but they were just so hospitable and so welcoming. And that's what truly made the trip amazing. That's lovely. Yeah, I kind of agree with that one. Being able to interact with so many different people and learn about their culture and traditions and things like that, that definitely was the most meaningful and really made the trip like absolutely wonderful. Mm. Sounds terrific. Sounds like this was a great success start to finish. And you were telling me, Professor Roberg, before we went on the air, that one of the biggest successes, I mean, not to take for, to be taken for granted, is those last COVID tests you took before <laughs> you... Uh, 
boarded the plane uh, to, to uh, return home. Indeed. Uh, we were uh, elated, I think would be a, a fair, fair <laughs> way of phrasing that. Uh, and uh, we, we, you know, we, we tried as best we could, as, as we said earlier, to, to not bring anything into various communities. And uh, we, we were thrilled that, you know, the students bought into uh, this aspect of it of, you know, let's, you know, care for each other and, and care for the communities that we're going into. and Tread uh, lightly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we tried to, to teach them a lot. Uh, they, they learned a lot. And uh, it was really overall a, a terrific experience. Certainly sounds like it. And uh, do you suspect that you'll be collaborating further on future trips, the two of you? We'll see. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every every study tour, it's we just have so many amazing experiences. And we seeing how the students respond and, and, and learn what we like. This is exactly what we wanted. And to hear them give this kind of uh, share their stories with us kind of confirms that this is uh, when beyond our expectations of how well, how much they learned. So I want to take more students. I think, like, who else? I, mean, I want to keep going, going because it's, it, it's very satisfying to see uh, how we can, this can change students' perspective, open their minds, give them a point of view, anything that, that would just make them a better global citizen. And I am I'm, I'm very excited about that. So it is possible. Hmm. Professor uh, Maribel Morales, Associate Professor of Modern Languages at Carthage, uh, Jeffrey Roberg, Professor of Political Science, and our three students uh, with us today, Letitia Sires, Abigail Church, and Serena Richardson. It was so wonderful to have all five of you with us today to talk about this uh, terrific, exciting, and illuminating trip. And uh, we wish you the best uh, with the continuation of your studies at Carthage and all of your good work. And again, thank you for being part of the morning show today. This was really fun. Thank you for Thank the you. Thanks for having us. Thank you.